Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The, the art of the Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for the art of the CEO. The show that, uh, for people who enjoy the challenge of business and those who want to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business. And whether you're a high-tech investment guru who guides major money into the most profitable and newly established tech firms, like Bill, or the founder of an international trading consultancy that gets iPhones sold into China, like Savio, we're here to bring you the sage counsel of business masters to help your career and your business. Every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, The Art of the CEO streams live through the cyber door and through the miracle of cyberspace, which none of us really quite understand. Every show may be downloaded by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. That's blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. So we invite you to visit and enjoy for your own benefit. Today's episode is a very, very special one for all of us on the show because it marks the Art of the CEO's first full radio season. Yes, the wheel has come full circle, and I'm going to lift a glass to all of you, the people who made the success, my listening audience. I know that is good. You are why we are here. It has been your comments that have guided us and hopefully allowed us to provide you with some profitable counsel along these many episodes. So allow me to thank you for making this milestone possible, and all of us at Prometheus have had a glorious ride. Many thanks. And yes, we are having a grand gala celebration, some folks have asked, on March 19th, in Cranberry, New Jersey, at the Cranberry Inn, to which some of you listeners will be invited. So stay tuned, and we'll tell you a little more about that later in the show. Now, today's episode is called The Care and Nurture of Clients with Miss Aldana Ambler's Council. Yes, today we are bringing one of the best in the business, Miss Aldana Ambler, founder of the Growth Strategist and one of the nation's most revered and effective consulting firms. It really is. And Aldana herself is a radio, a TV host, a globe-trotting, sought-after speaker, as well as the founder of a suite of highly profitable companies. And despite her uh, renowned shyness, <clears throat> we may be able just to coax a few words out of her. <laughs> but before we lay, lay at your feet this feast of business artistry and then how to treat your clients as constituents, let's take a moment to supply you out there with a few utensils for your feast of wisdom. First, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you individuals hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. That's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career. So I ask, will this be the day that you shake off all the boxes and labels and begin treating those folks around you as worthy individuals? Or will you continue to operate with the old confining definitions as prescribed by some long-dead pundit? The choice is truly yours. Secondly, it is time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. So let me pull it down here, and here we go, here we go. Okay, this is number 25. 
If your first concern with some new venture is risk assessment, friend, retire. You're too old for the exhilaration of business, whatever your age. (laughs) So as an afterthought, let me just remind you that business triumphs belong to those who fall passionately in love with some venture and seethe with creative ways to make it all work. So go ahead, be be wary of the potholes, but don't let them keep you from steaming on down the road. And as a third utensil, perhaps we should call this day's utensil the complacency skewer, we will give you the answers to last week's business quotation. Now today, before we leave the air, we will broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to tell us whom you believe the author to be, and you simply write that author's name and send it to info at bartsbooks.com, that's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com, and if you're right, we will send to you a marvelous gift from the dungeons of the Bart's Books bookstore. So, uh... Last, this, the author of last week's quote was the individual who said, business has only two basic fun- functions, marketing and innovation. That was none other than the sage and insightful counselor of the business realm, Mr. Peter Drucker. So now, let us dig into today's feast and call upon the expertise of the growth strategist who's led thousands of firms, including our own, to the ultimate success and fulfillment. Miss Aldana Ambler. Aldana, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. A little too cold in this part of the country right this moment for me. Oh, but I'm in my yes, office. yes. Yeah, it was, it was eight when I got up this morning, yeah. which is the charm of an untipped waiter. It uh, yeah. was really tough. So your listeners in Alaska are probably laughing at us, but still. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> yes. Yeah, the, the Ulan Batar crowd is probably hoisting and joking. Uh, Aldana, you know, you throughout your your really amazing career, you have pro- justifiably received more Entrepreneur of the Year, Businesswoman of the Year, and well-deserved industry honors than any woman still standing. I, I mean, somewhere <laughs> on your property, I envision this barn bulging with plaques and trophies. Uh, but 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 I heard you say you, you told me that being inducted to the New Jersey Business Hall of Fame, you've claimed is is a really unique honor. Now, why is that so special for you? First of all, happy anniversary. That's that's a really good cool thing. I thank you. I thank you, Aldana. That's very kind. Um, you know, it's a trick question because uh, it's been a couple dozen awards. <laughs> you know, partly that just means I'm old, and you know it takes a while <laughs> to get those things. So, um, <clears throat> but um, and it's not a contest between them. Each thing has had its own meaning at the time. But um, the truth yeah. is, you know, uh, you think about a rock and roll hall of fame and what that must mean to yeah. musicians. And and so uh, it's just incredible. And then the second thing is that, um, you know, most of the business hall of fames around the country and, and frankly around the world have, you know, tall, good-looking, gray-haired white guys that are CEOs of major, <laughs> major corporations. And, you know, I don't fit that. So, you uh, don't fit into I, that. It, it, uh, no, I don't fit into that. So it, it's a, it feels to me like progress for thought leaders who speak and progress for women business owners progress for advocates, progress for, you know, service firms. It, it, I have, like, a number of identities that I feel like, wow, we're, you know, we're kind of breaking a glass ceiling here. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, if anybody has a sledgehammer in both hands to, put, to plow through, it certainly <laughs> is you. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's that genteel touch that, that, that you're, you're so renowned for. Uh, I, and just 
I, I just want to touch briefly on the, you know, the history of your, your launch of the, the growth strategist. Now, mm-hmm. when you started out, you had, as, as I understand, several organizations, I believe there were three of them, that wanted you to become their in-house consultant. But I remember you telling me, I, I don't want to work for one company. I wanted to run my own consulting firm. So I'm curious, what caused that spark? Where did that entrepreneurial muse come from? All right, so this is always dangerous territory when something about what the host asks doesn't match reality. Okay, so you know you're a great okay. interviewer, so I must have said something wrong. Um, oh, basically, I'm... I knew I wanted to be a consultant. I get a kick out of bringing the best out of really bright people and helping them keep going. And But I didn't see the entrepreneurial side of me until I got into it. And essentially, I was a lead consultant in a couple of mental health centers who had consultation and education units. Got, and it was a gift right. because I ended up right involved with 40 clients, you know, with, and it was handed to me. Talk about non-entrepreneurial. You know, hand me these things and say, just do it. And I had to rise to the occasion, but I would still have a salary. What happened to me was right, that right. those... Two people that I worked for um, were uh, unethical, and I lost a little uh-huh. faith in bosses. And, and my right. clients also said, we really don't like the, the image of having to get your help with strategy and change and participative management yeah, yeah, yeah. through a mental health center. We're not sick. And they kind of right. shoved me into, why don't you do this private to private? And that was the germ of starting a business. Where the I want to do it alone came from is once I started I didn't want to be right. the only consultant, you. and you know, there's bigger issues than that, and it's not about me. Well, that's that's I, it's very understandable. I think it's important that uh, that many people look and say, "Do I want to grow beyond myself?" It's something to think of, and not everyone does, and everyone should. But uh, you've given a very good good explanation of how you came to it. Then, now, when you did start, you have pretty much from the beginning, uh, and certainly now, you, you've taken very specific aim at middle market businesses, what you've, I've heard you call the forgotten middle. Now, yeah. could you just give a quick definition of what you mean by mid-sized industry, and then tell us what, what's so special about, about them? I actually feel lucky that I discovered those very bright people, or they discovered me. I mean, I just, it's a blessing, um, because uh-huh. you really think about people who are privately held, Typically, they're family-owned. Right. They're 90% of them see themselves as family-owned, even if there's no kids involved. That's amazing. And, you know, right. the, the definition of mid-market depends on, you know, which entity you ask, but it typically starts at about $10 million and goes up, and, you know, they cluster around that 10 to 20. My clients have been in the, t- the 20 to $200 million range, uh, and they have a billion dollars in their goal in the back of their head, that kind of thing. But they're privately right. held, and they're typically family-owned. And what's so special about them? I personally yeah, think yeah. that to, to succeed past being a what I call an incorporated career with just one person, um, right. there's a lot that goes into that. You know, you have to get out of your own way and really focus yeah. on the marketplace and have something valuable to offer. And you cannot become risk adverse, or you go right back to being that you know uh, tiny little business. And there's a lot of disincentives for those people. There's taxes, like in New Jersey. There's both inheritance and estate taxes. So that's a real incentive for the yes, family yes. businesses to keep going. And there's regulations that are, you know, are, are onerous. And there's, you know, things like mandates that discourage oh, you yeah. from going past 50 employees. So you've got, you've got a very, you've got the people who have faced up to it, 
and taken the challenge and said, yes, I want to do it, and have come through out the other side. And mm-hmm. they have that wonderful idea of the ability to face risk. When I first started writing, I found the only people who were as exciting as explorers were entrepreneurs. They're both that doer and dreamer. And I and I found the ones who had made it, whether they were climbing Everest or starting or, or had made it to the 10 million mark, were people who were mm-hmm. exciting indeed. So I think it's, it's yeah. great to hear that. Now you have a saying, and uh, I think you're, you're, it's really sort of your core mission. Deep with it, it comes from yourself. You say you treat clients as constituents. Broadly, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, it's a discovery along the journey. You know, I've been in a consultant uh-huh. for forty years and an entrepreneur for thirty-five. So, um, what happened is, you know, if you become a trusted advisor or your team starts hearing what their what your clients are truly dealing with. They complain about things that are beyond what your current services are about. So I was hearing yeah, yeah. things like the taxes are onerous and it's growth financing that's getting in the way and, and it's the regulations and bitch, bitch, moan, moan. And, and then I, <laughs> I asked, well, why don't you testify? I mean, you're really obviously mad and you've got a really good yeah, example. Yeah, why don't you go to your congressman? Or, and they look back at me like I came from another planet, you know, like, don't you understand that we're going to be targeted? We're, we're afraid yeah, of retribution. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to do that. And plus, I'm busy, and it won't make a difference anyway. They're, they're disillusioned about government, and it just you know seemed to me that if I'm seeing the same pattern over and over and over again, I wonder if I could more safely testify on their behalf and try to make a difference because that's what the business is about: is services and trying to actually grow the mid-sized companies, find ways to keep them growing, and if. Testifying no, no. to change the taxes or the regulations would help. I got into it, and I, and that's one of the ways you discover maybe you have a philosophy of seeing them as a constituency, a bigger group beyond somebody who has an active contract with you at the moment. Mm, mm. There's also a, another aspect of that constituency, if you take looking at the term literally, is to see yourself as a, as a, a servitor of the entire person, yeah. uh, the entire individual and his or her company. And I'm wondering if, mm-hmm. uh, help us out, if I take my free introductory phone call uh, to the growth strategist mm-hmm. or I come in down into Hamilton, New Jersey and, and walk into your shop, what's the difference? What is the experience in the embrace of the growth strategist that I'm going to I feel that, that I might question. not get I mean, Well, you know, I'm at a different point in my career, so, you know, now it's back to, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. some I retired and, you know, uh, but let me talk about what the um, the feedback's been over the years for, like, the whole process that the larger company, yeah. you know, did, plus I still can't help but do. Um, we take curiosity to another level. We're just downright nosy. I mean, we are really going to ask about everything, and nothing's off the table because it affects the business decisions. Because the marketplace right. is out there for all of us to read. The money's out there available for all of us to get. There's something about how we read it and our reactions to it that either make us motivated to innovate and take some chances or freezes us. And an awful lot right. of clients, one of the things they'll say is, they're, you know, I, I don't know why I should continue to grow. And then they don't quite finish the sentence. So you've got to be provocative enough to say, okay, now I've noticed, look, you know, you've got the nice house on the hill overlooking the lake. Your kid's tuition's paid off. Right. You drive right. a nice car. I don't blame you for, like, wondering, why should you risk anything else? But if, and then yeah, start yeah, thinking, sure. what are the risks? I mean, if somebody stops growing, 
I mean, what message are they sending to their employees? And, and yeah. then you start getting yeah. into visioning about, well, what do you want to be 10 years from now? What, what do you want in your life? What do you want the business to be? And the business has a life separate from the owner. And that, that's an aha um, yes, I, I would like to, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to, to sort of put that down for a moment. This is what we call a quill pen moment that Aldana has come up with something very timeless here. And I'd like you to take your pens, dip them in the inkwell, and jot this down, that you are separate from your business. You have to work out your own goals. And mm-hmm. the other thing I would add to that is that that Aldana, by being nosy, does not put her clients on a procrustean bed and lop off no. uh, the parts that are too long and or stretch the parts that are too short. She doesn't have a formula. She has a personal dealing. Is that right? Yeah, and the fun part is in, people get into the details of their business sometimes or they're worried about right. you know the, the stewardship role that they play as an owner. It's a pretty heady responsibility. Uh. It's, it's like no, having no. kids, you know, the family, you know, between your clients and your employees and the products and the risk. I mean, it, you know, this is not for the faint of heart. Um, so it's important to build on the strengths and and help people know that the two lives that are involved. I mean, at first, I mean, it's a lot more, but uh, right. and get excited about the where they overlap and 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 there's a synergy and they feed another and where it might be not working anymore because there's sometimes when a person was great at founding the business now they're actually bored and yeah. not admitting it. You know, or they could found uh, another company, and that would feed everybody and be a win-win. And so we, you know, we look at but how do you make win-win decisions and so forth. Yes, but win-win decisions for the future is really what growth strategies are about. I mean, I, I really, I couldn't do turnaround stuff where the people are tearing apart companies, yeah, helping yeah. them go bankrupt, firing people. Yeah, I mean, I that's, couldn't do it. Yeah, that's I, that is I'm, a, a people are coming time. to us because they see, you know, potential. Okay, Aldana, I. That's. I think that's true. That that there, people do make a decision whether they're ready to grow or not, but they don't always verbalize it, and it comes from the heart. Ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the midpoint of our feast, and so I would like us to, if we could, take a brief sorbet. It's time to introduce the company by whose good graces we are here today, and that firm is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of Bart's books, Ultimate Business Guides. You may visit. Bartsbooks.com and explore a wide wealth of practical wisdom from a whole lot of business masters out there. And uh, the guide that we'd like you to look at today is the one that started this all off. It was the book entitled The Art of the CEO. And this was a guide for some of the sage counsel from many five five business leaders, including uh, Aldana. And we have been marvelously received. But we want people kept asking us for new ideas, and so we thought the way of streaming them fresh and keeping them alive. With that, we founded the Art of the CEO Radio Show, and yes, we have had 52 weekly episodes and loved every minute of it. And to celebrate our good fortune, the Art of the CEO is bringing to you. Uh, we've had fun bringing you some of the globe's most cogent folks. But we're going to have a gala party with rampant jocularity and fine Merlot and music on March 19th uh, right here in Cranberry, New Jersey at the Cranberry Inn. And we're inviting several of you. If you are one of the first 10 people to write us and say you'd like to attend the personal 
the anniversary gala with uh, all our previous guests and so forth, we'd love to have you. So simply just scribble on your little email pad, I want to come to the party, send that to info at bartsbooks.com. And one of the first ten, you'll get to dine, drink, and meet some truly bizarre people and and have a good time. So again, that's info at bartsbooks.com. So, and you can also turn to the bartsbooks.com web store and uh, visit and browse for your benefit. Now, ladies and gentlemen, and all those wise, wise enough to dance on the ice of this chilly weather, weather rather than bemoan it, we're back with a lady who has shown the world how to treat clients as constituents for fun and profit, Miss Aldana Ambler. And now, Aldana, you began speaking early in your career to to many great crowds. And you gave what I consider probably one of the best marketing tools I can remember a speaker ever giving to our audience. Could you tell us, uh, the, the folks listening, what what that offer was and how it worked out for you? Uh, it was ner- I took a lot of nerve at first, um, but essentially uh-huh. we were looking for a hundred percent satisfaction. And when you have right. people who are sitting in an audience wanting you know detailed information to help them grow their business that minute, whoa. Uh-huh. So you uh-huh. have to recognize that a speech is short. So we promised that any anyone in the audience has a free phone consultation with me. And wow. the rule of it is uh-huh. they need to do it when they're really ready to talk about growth. Mm-hmm. If they're still trying to stall and not hire any employees, if they're still only in the risk mode. But if they can see some potential that's not being realized and they're ready, I'm happy to do it. And a lot of times right. when I do those calls, uh, it ends up being a referral to maybe a small business development center or to an IT professional because that's what they really needed or whatever. It's a small percentage uh-huh. that actually needs us. It doesn't turn into a sales call. and make sure they get, you know, tangible advice. Yeah. The interesting thing in my experience of being a speaker for 35 years, less than uh-huh. 2% call. And it's not because they don't need the call. They're, you know, not everybody wants to grow their company. And you need to call. I think that's probably true. There's... Most people really want to be where they are, and I would say mm-hmm. to people who like to do or who are trying to say we need to challenge our employees. Actually, ninety percent of your employees want to keep mm-hmm. doing what they're doing, but there are those few, and those are the ones who are going to take it yeah. forward. And now, speaking of speaking, uh, mm-hmm. you have for decades been one of the most sought-after business speakers all over the nation and abroad. And there are many successful business people who feel they have something to say and who really are willing to make the commitment. And I'm talking about those who would make the commitment. Suppose they want to test the waters as a speaker. They want to get started. Can you give us just like two ideas for getting started as as a spe- as a business speaker? Well, a couple things. One is, you know, it, it's harder than it looks. Uh, and uh, it's not for everybody to create a separate business for professional speaking. I did that. I ended up with six companies, one of which was the speaking business. It doesn't have to become that is the first thing to think about is what role is the speaking in your life? Is it because you just like your voice? Is it because you actually have a passion and you can't help but talk to those people? There's a type of person that you really care about and you need to help them. Do you have a, a specific expertise that you can leverage? I think too many speakers do it before they've earned the platform. They did not, did not develop, you know, um, an expertise. They don't have a track record. I can talk about um, 
what clients are teaching you that drives your innovation. Like, you know, our geographic expansion came from clients needing it, not because I wanted to have an office in Kansas City. You know, uh, the growth (laughs) financing thing, I really resisted, but the clients knew better than us, and we developed it over a period of time. We even got into executive search. We did some things where other consultants told us that we should get into implementation, and our clients taught us that we needed to stay strategic. So I know how to talk about that because I've earned it from my own experience and the 800 clients that we've gotten on Inc. 500 and helped them stay there. So let me give you a specific for you, Bart. Obviously, you have expertise in interviewing. You have expertise in authorship, publishing, networking. If you had passion about that, you'd be a credible speaker and people would line up. But if you start talking about, I don't know, maybe you're an expert basket weaver, but if you got all excited about (laughs) basket weaving, you you might not have passion, you might not have the credibility, and you might not have an audience. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it comes from earning the platform. I see. Okay, that's that's a very very good point. I uh, I feel uh, I feel as if I've learned something myself. I, I should ask you that uh, just to let you know that I have. Uh, my wife says that I uh, and 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 anyone who I'm able to liquor up on on the, the, the booze when they come over to the house, uh, they think that I have infinite charm. They think that I can. I'm absolutely full of it, uh, advice, I mean. And I, I have the ability to perform no work at all. So I guess what I'm asking you is, do you think I'd be a good consultant? Different question, because the, the people who get in trouble with speaking... <laughs> now, I'll, I'll, let me answer this, because I giggled when I hear this question. Okay. The people who get in trouble when they get into speaking, if they want it right. to make income, they get in real trouble. If they look at it as an easy way to make money, oh, my goodness, wrong oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, consulting where you might get into trouble is that your answers to questions don't say, well, that depends. <laughs> well, that's almost like the definition of a true consultant because that means they have to probe more. <laughs> right, right. So, okay. So, I think that's a, that's a very, a very sharp answer. I... Uh, I realize I realize now that I heard. but you know you did mention one thing you you talked about cha- constantly changing your business to suit the client yeah. to get them to be the the servitor uh you talked about for instance you, you faced a a real hurdle with finance. It was something that were to getting funding for your clients or helping them get funding. Uh, you finally allowed yourself to be pulled into that again with the goal of giving the client what they needed, not what you had to yeah. set for them. And it's a longer how did story that work than this, out? but I will give you a very short one. Uh, okay. This is a good example <laughs> where I was like my clients. Okay, I'm a previously poor right. person okay. grew up in a big, you know, family, blah blah. So I didn't see myself as a venture capitalist. So they talk about growth financing, right. and I spent a lot of time finding other places that they could go to get it. And then uh-huh. you know you just start getting business cards and requests, and it like sinks in. And the biggest thing that happened was that the service companies that we were serving were so right. frustrated with the banks. The banks couldn't tell what a scalable service company looked like. And they had a hard time with non-asset-based lending. And so between what the market said and the client said, maybe we need to create a different kind of money, which, you know, that takes a couple, you know, takes a while to learn how to do. And we created the service industry fund. And it's it's very innovative. I've never saw it coming, but it's important. And the success rate is higher than most of the economic development authorities after 17 years. Yeah. So, you know, who would have thunk, as they say? (laughs) Well, that's uh, Aldana. This this has been just fabulous. I, I've very much enjoyed 
uh, talking with you as always, but you, I think you have given our listeners an awful lot to think about, whether they are thinking of growing, whether they're thinking of consulting, or whether they're just trying to find a new way to deal with their clients. You have certainly given us a lot, and I thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, I always end the the interviews the same way. My tagline's been for years. Your your uh, goal is to achieve accelerated growth with sustained profitability, and the secret is in reversing the phrase. You've got to know what drives your profitability first. Then you need to know how to sustain it. Then we can talk about growth strategies (laughs) and having it being close. Let's get big and see where where we shovel in the cash. (laughs) And then we can step on the gas to accelerate well, thank you for right. the invitation, and happy anniversary again. I thank you, Aldana. You've been great. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as we round out the show, uh, let me leave you with today's business quotation. Who is the individual who said, a criminal is a person with predatory instincts who does not have sufficient capital to form a corporation? <laughs> and as a hint, the, that innovative individual, head the capital, formed, among many others, the technocracy movement. I'll let you send that in. If you know the name of that person, send that name in to info at bartsbooks.com. And finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, if your company has a creative department, what are the rest of your folks doing? Just a thought. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.